This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 500 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. Today, for our very special 500th episode, we are going to take a little trip down memory lane, as well as getting some great tips from guests Karen Isberg and Hilary Moore-Hebert. We are also introducing a new product from Total Saddle Fit before talking about the training scale. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Wellington, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hello, Phil. It's a big day for us. <laughs> it's finally here. We've it's been talking here. Yeah. So we have Glenn. Basically, our boss is on the line. Hi, Glenn. Congratulations, guys. <laughs> Thanks. So much. 500 episodes. Of the Dressage Radio Show. This is the longest-running dressage show of any kind ever. <laughs> ever. Yes, we have the ever. <laughs> Definitely. I don't think there's anything else that even comes close. So <laughs> congratulations, and look at the long way you've come. I wrote down some stuff for you. Okay. <laughs> so, Reese, you started your three-month stint on the Dressage Radio Show on episode 157 in, on May 31st of 2012. <laughs> longest three-month job i've ever had <laughs> We've seven done that years many. later okay. yeah almost seven years later whoa yeah, 151 you're coming, up, yeah, you're coming up on seven years and i you know i listened back to a little bit of course <sighs> you didn't have philip right away he came in a couple episodes after and he came in as a guest co-host because we wanted to see if he was any good remember Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we tested him. Uh, I guess the bar was really, really, really low for, for that. <laughs> you were the only male we could find. Yeah, <laughs> the only one that would do it. So <laughs> it was episode 160, and your guests, that episode was the two of you for the first time. And you it was a, actually a para episode. We had Rebecca Hart on, Missy Ranshausen was on, Jim Wolf was on. And you were responding to the show, the Colbert show, where you talked about Dressage, remember? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember at all. Like well, 20 years ago, I think. Memory of, of, yeah, of all of that. But wow. then your next episode was with Stefan Peters. I mean, you really you really <laughs> kicked it up with that next episode. It was, <laughs> it was really something. So I do have a little tiny clip of how horrible the sound was. Oh, yeah. Your episode after that was Stefan Peters, uh, Tina, Tina Cunyat. So you, you had a big second episode there. <laughs> Wow. And, and, of course, Rebecca Hart went on to win. She oh. won a couple of medals at WEG this year. She did. She did. She's wonderful. She's probably so kind to us because we were well, so bad. <laughs> we were so confident that Reese and Philip were going to do well in this job. We did not send them microphones right away just to see how it went. It was like the Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is how crappy the sound was on their first episode together. This is Reese Coffler Steenfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario. I'm going to interrupt there because I remember this, and it took those two about 25 takes to get that sentence out. <laughs> to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, Philip, welcome to the Dressage Show. Thanks for being my co-host for the evening. 
No problem. I'm really happy to be here. Well, and Philip, you and I met at the Scott House. So, see, even at the beginning, you know, for the evening, you weren't supposed to be here forever, Phil. You apparently <laughs> forgot to quit, too. So, <laughs> and then yeah. you did send uh, mics, and you sounded much better. The sound did get better. Except technology's gotten better, too. Yeah. <laughs> Although we've had we have had our share of tr- technology problems with the two of you over the years. <laughs> we had one tonight with me. I couldn't figure update. out Skype. Yeah, it updated. <laughs> yeah. So uh, congratulations. I'm very proud of both of you. The show has done so well. Now you're the official podcast for the USDF, which is really cool too. And Reese, it was fun to see you the other night. We got to hang out for a while. I so know was- we had our own party with Sans Philip, but yes. we have Karen Isberg here. Um, she's here riding her horses and enjoying, I'd like to say it's sun and fun, but right now it's a little bit warmer than home, which is nice. A little bit of rainy, but um, she was here. So we actually had our 500th episode party and Karen's going to come on this show and and uh, she's been the longest running sponsor, right, Glenn? For the, for the, the whole horse radio network. network. Yep, 10 years mm-hmm. she's been with us. Yeah, so she's been with us a long time. So she's going to come on and celebrate with us the show as well. So lots of fun stuff. And it's always fun to look back, but it does make me cringe a little bit when I hear that. And, and then I, I did listen back to a little bit of the first episode that you and I did together, Reese. <laughs> and you, you made very clear at the beginning of that episode that the one thing we were not allowed to talk about was your husband. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about Travis very often. No, because you said, Travis said, if you do this gig, you're never talking about me. <laughs> so, Travis, we are not talking about you right we are now. We're not talking about my yeah, sweet we're horse. We're never going to talk about him. As, he, as, he, as Glenn knows, hey, I drag him. He's here in Florida with me <laughs> to come for the season. He's a good guy. I enjoy hanging out with him the other night. Well, congratulations, yeah. guys, and have a great show. Have a great 500. All right. Thanks, Glenn. We'll see you in another 500, okay? No oh, goodness. Uh, okay. You got it. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk before then. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. Well, Phil, to get this party started, we're going to come back with Karen Isberg from Kentucky Performance Products. Well, tonight for our 500th episode, we have one of our, our longest supporter of the Horse Radio Network and dear friend of ours, Karen Isberg. She is president of Kentucky Performance Products and quite a very good dressage rider. Karen, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Reese. I always love coming on to the Dressage Show. I can't believe it's 500 episodes. <laughs> no, we can't either. <laughs> we can't either. It's crazy. We're we're really we're we're blown away. When we both saw that number, we were uh, you know Phil and I were like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So it's super fun. And Karen, Phil's going to ask you a question because we didn't realize this, but you've been with the network b- before we were with the network. So. Phil, go yeah, for it. Well, Glenn, Glenn was just saying that you, you have been a sponsor of the Horse Radio Network for 10 years, and you said you, you were the first sponsor. So I was just sort of curious of how he pitched the idea of podcasting and becoming a sponsor of a podcast before anyone even knew what, what that was. I mean, how did he explain it to you? How did you get on board? Tell us a little bit was, about the beginnings. We, we were there from the beginning, from the very beginning, I, and I, I, boy, you know, it's 10 years ago, so I'm trying <laughs> to remember. Um, somehow I got introduced to um, Glenn, and it, it, he was doing some media work. Then he was doing like some media workshops and stuff for, for equine companies, and that's where I met him. And then, you know, he got a hold of me, and he said, I've got this great idea. I, I want to do these, like, podcasts, these radio shows. And I actually knew what podcasts were because I'm kind of a history geek and there were some pot, there were some history podcasts ah, out there that I yeah. had been listening to. So I, I kind of yep. knew what a podcast was. I was uh, kind of clued into that. 
And so when he said, I want to do it for horses, I'm like, oh, I think that's so cool. And, you know, Glenn, I mean, he, he, he could talk somebody into buying the Brooklyn Bridge. You know, I mean, <laughs> he's very persuasive. And, you know, he said, I, you know, I'm really looking for backers. And I'm like, I'll go for it because I'm always trying to stay a little bit ahead of the, the curve, you know, in our marketing program, you know, kind of be there to do the next thing. And I just felt like, you know, it was sounded like it was something really inventive and different and fun. And, you know, and the, it, it wasn't going to be that expensive. And I just thought it was a really cool idea. And, yeah, I knew Glenn could do it. You know, I just knew if anybody could do it, Glenn could do it. Cause he just has that personality. And so that, that's, that's how it all started. And well, I can't well, well, Andy has he a face told me for that radio, the other day. Right? Yes. He has a face for radio. He has the personality for radio. Oh, absolutely. You know? And then we also helped him. Um, my marketing department, the graphics designer in my marketing department, she did a bunch of logos for him. In fact, she came up with a logo for the, the horses in the morning logo. So we were helping him, you know, in different ways. I kind of felt like we were really involved. It was fun. That is so cool. cool. Well, we appreciate your your support of our show and and all the shows. And, and, you know, maybe 10 years later, it'll be uh, be even bigger. We're trying to get more listeners all the time. I know. Won't that be amazing? But uh, the shows are great. And, you know, I get... I get phone calls from people that listen to Horse Radio Network and they they always ask good questions and, you know, and they're, they're fun to talk to and they know me. It's hilarious. It's really <laughs> great. So I love hearing from the folks at, at Horse Radio Network and anybody has any questions, feel free to call me because I like talking to you guys. It's I love good, it. Good, intelligent group of people. Yeah. So, so Karen, we're putting you to work today. I have a, I have a listener question that you, me, and Phil are all going to kind of weigh in. So this is from very sweet Alyssa. Alyssa, shout out to you in Minnesota. I came up and did a clinic with you guys. It was super fun right before Thanksgiving. So I'm glad you sent me a question and shout out to everybody up there. But it said, good morning from snowy Minnesota. Wondering if you and Phil would be willing to talk about training in cold weather. It's a balmy two degrees here and we're going through a cold snap. How cold is too cold to ride when you don't have a heated indoor? When I went to Minnesota, I was in a heated indoor. Very thankful because uh, it was five degrees when I went in November. So, which of course, I, 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 that was unbelievable. Inside the arena was wonderful. But Karen, this sort of infill, this brings up the whole topic of, you know, number one, Karen, how do you kind of feed horses in the weather? I mean, obviously you and I are in Florida right now and, and we're not dealing with this, but you know, how do you feed horses in the extreme cold that's happening up North? Well, the, the main thing that you want to do is, is you want to increase your horse's hay intake because when a horse, when a horse eats hay and, and digests all that hay in their gut, it produces a lot of, of body heat in inside their body. And it's just like, it's just kind of like a little coal stove, you know, or an oven in their body. So just keep feeding them hay. And, you know, if you've got a really easy keeper, then get a nice mature hay and just let them eat hay all day long and all night long. And that really goes a long way towards keeping them warm. And if you walk out in the barn in the morning and your horse is, you know, a little cold or shivering, you know, give them hay. Grain, it supplies some energy, but hay really gets that furnace going. So I always recommend that when it gets cold, just give your horse extra hay. Fantastic. So. So Phil, let's uh, let's all chat talk about this. Uh, when is it too cold to ride? <laughs> well, I mean, da, we've da, been da. Going, yeah, some extreme cold temperatures. So this week, uh, I, for the most part, have not been riding. 
Um, but I sort of say, you know, my cutoff is around minus 10 degrees Celsius, which so, happens to be 14 degrees Fahrenheit. I sort of did sure, my little internet sure. research. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I go by, I go by, I have a thermometer in the arena. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of go by that because there's things, you know, there's um, wind chill factors they will give you on the news, you know, and, and the weather network, that kind of thing. And, and they also give you some humidity information and everybody i think everybody knows that when it's more humid the cold gets to you a little bit sooner you know so i kind of play it by ear you know uh i kind of figure it out as i'm walking the horse around the arena and go you know how am i feeling you know i start getting trotting a little bit i'm like you know is (laughs) how how much does my face and my ears hurt you know and if if it's you know if it's becoming unpleasant for the rider i think it becomes uh unpleasant for the horse as well so i mean in the cold cold temperatures it's it's just about getting out and moving around and getting the the, you know providing some sort of exercise for the horse because you know when you when you put them outside i mean a horse is getting turnout no matter what temperature it is we blanket them up and do layers and blankets and Mm -hmm. and things they don't really move around a lot they sort of will stand by the gate they'll stand by the the entrance to the to their paddock then they'll be like i want to come back in so yeah you know they're not they're not providing uh, themselves with enough um stretching and, and, and exercise you know on a, on a cold cold day so that's what i'm just trying to do for them is uh give them you know s- some work without really getting their cardiovascular system really pumping and you know having trouble you know we don't want to see them have trouble breathing or have respiratory issues so i mean uh, you know a day off here and there and, and you know, un- not hard work for a couple of months uh, is fine for our horses. I think it's great for them to have a little bit of time off and and, and uh, not to be working hard, you know, 12 months yeah. of the year. So. Well, I, I would say for myself, um, so I ended up actually getting quite injured. I was riding. It was actually 15 degrees Fahrenheit, so right around where you're talking. And I actually... The, the horse actually, I remember he was, this was a couple of years ago at this point, was being quite naughty. And I, I, I injured my lungs, actually. I ended up really creating some bad trouble for myself. Um, I have really bad asthma and it, and it really, really did not help the situation. So I'm, I, Karen and I will say our, ours is 25 uh, Fahrenheit, yeah. but again, we're way more South and our rings are not insulated the way you know, it, so I think it, there's is a big range for us all because um, 15 is it was too cold, and I injured myself. So I have a lot more respect for when cold, when it's really cold, what it can do and and how it can be harmful. So you know, I I was already predisposed to it, but still, it it sort of changed my my lung capacity. So uh, I'm more cautious. So Mars is 25, but. Or, you know, that's also one of the reasons I hit south because I have breathing trouble. So I think it does depend and, and, and for sure not strenuous work, you know, just getting them out, like Phil's saying, and moving them around. And, and you know, by the time you, everybody's muscles are about warm, it's about time to be done. So yeah, exactly. I do think you have to be careful yeah, and really pay attention. Go ahead, Karen. Sorry. Walking and stretching and, you know, horses take huge volumes of air into their lungs when they're, when they're, when they're cantering and when they're when they're moving around a lot. So, you know, you have to think about if that air is really, really cold, yeah. you know, it could damage the lung tissues and it could also, you know, really make, make the horse a little bit colder than he would normally be. So, and I think too, like, like Phil said, the difference between 
you know, the Northwest and the very dry air versus the, the humid cold air that we have in Kentucky and, and on the East Coast of the United States. And I would imagine, I think, um, is it Minnesota or Michigan where she was from? Minnesota. 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 It can be pretty damp up there. So I think mm-hmm. you need to think about that when you're getting ready to ride your horse. And certainly if you have a horse that, that has had breathing issues in the past or COPD or, or heaves or something like that, that you want to be super careful with those horses yeah. and not push them when it's cold because that will cause those bronchitis spasm. And you may have some, you know, like you recently may have some yep. bad issues with them otherwise. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, also sorry, foot, um, the ground footing, yeah, the footing. how hard it is. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. footing for sure. If, yeah, for sure. If it's know. freezing and, you know, down here, and well, even in Kentucky, we not everybody has an indoor and they're riding sometimes on, you know, different surfaces outside. And I think you have to take that in consideration too. You don't need to pound your horse's feet on really cold ground. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Karen, as always, thank you so much for coming on the show and being such a huge supporter of us. If people have questions and want to get a hold of you at Kentucky Performance Products, how do they do that? Well, they can go on the Facebook page and they can message us there. They can private message us through that. You can call us at 859-873-2974. We're open from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. So that's Eastern Standard Time. Or, I mean, you can just uh, hop on our website and send us an email through the info.com or my email address is also on there under contact. So feel free to contact us anyway. Fantastic. We'll try to help you answer your questions. I love if it. We answer them, we'll try to find somebody that can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and off to horse showing. We are horse showing tomorrow. It's uh, Karen's first recognized show in a lot in many years. So it'll be really fun. Long time. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to yep, be great exciting. fun. It's exciting. Exactly. Thanks, Karen. We'll talk to you soon. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. You call his name and his head comes up as he walks toward you looking for the apple in your pocket. You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet Microphase vitamin and mineral supplement is a low-calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. Well, for our next trip down memory lane, we have Hilary Moore Hebert, and she is going to talk a little bit about her history here on the show. Well, tonight for our 500th episode, we're doing a little walk down memory lane with Hillary Moore Hebert. We were just talking off air how life has changed since you came on the show. But Hillary, we're so glad you're here. Welcome. Hi, guys. So, I feel Phil, a little emotional. <laughs> we are a little emotional. We never thought we'd actually be doing this show. <laughs> but we're happy we are. So, Phil, give us the stats when Hillary came on the first time. 
Okay, well, I just done a little uh, searching through our history on the Dressage Radio Show, and it seems like, I think this is pretty accurate, that Hillary's first appearance was on episode 223, and she came on. It doesn't, it doesn't give me what her tips were, but she, as Not usual, comes on and gives <laughs> us tips. <laughs> and that actually happened on September 6, 2013. Oh my gosh. Wow. 2013. And Hillary, you were still at the magazine at that point. Yeah, I was working in the magazine. I didn't have my, well, maybe I must have been just renovating my house and farm. Yes. I blacked all of that out. I don't know. But (laughs) I was just getting to a place where I was a farm owner and had horses or whatever. We were doing a huge renovation. My son did not even exist yet. And, um, yikes, that's like, I feel like when you say 2013, I think of like yesterday, but it's like when people talk about, do you remember when they said, when Prince came out with that song party, like it's 1999 and you thought like that will never happen. And that was like a billion years ago. It's amazing how time flies. It is, isn't it? It's so amazing. It's crazy, especially in this world. And like you said, your son wasn't even born, and now he's awesome and running around and in kindergarten. Yeah, he uh, still preschool, but he is like functional. And we got a little thing that said he's like fully potty trained, and a little thing that I thought was funny because my husband's an engineer. The teachers don't know that, and they did a little like worksheet saying that he likes to build things, and they were like, "Oh, maybe." He'll be a future engineer one day. And I thought, like, it's genetic. He will never get into horses. Yeah, you're like, it's not happening. Aww. (laughs) So, Hillary, how is your season in Florida going down here? It's been going really well. Last year was really focusing on, you know, um, getting ready for show season. But this year I've just been doing training. And um, I have some client horses down here. And so it's been very, very busy. But it's been really interesting in terms of what I've been able to work on because I have some client horses that are greener coming up the levels. And then my horse, I got to head down here with him and he was doing the Grand Prix in the fall. Thank you to Reese who was like, get in the ring and do it again. But, um, you know, I had my gold <laughs> medal. And so now we're working on some really fun stuff. And I know Phil was talking about, what were you saying that the other guests that you guys had on for the first episode I did? It was Emily Wagner um, who was talking about riding Wake Up. I think he had just won the Developing Priest and George Championship. And I was just saying how he is now competing. Well, they are competing together in, on the West Coast in the CDI Grand Prix. So I just sort of, you know, think about that and think about, you know, all the shows we've done with a, a number of riders who have developed the horses they were talking about in the episode further along and and it's i mean it's great incredible journey for for all of us in the in the dressage community i think it's amazing to think i think that's really important because that's a long time right like and she has done incredibly well in a pretty short amount of time it still is years and i think that's really important for people to think about that you know that whole time like I ha- I have a kid, he's like talking and walking around and all this stuff. Like she's now doing CDI Grand Prix successfully. Like it's amazing how dressage, even though we think about the day to day is such a long journey. And you realize like the commitment to one horse 
it's incredible what she's done over that time. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. Like it takes years and years. Well, and even, even just that jump from the small tour to the big tour, you just think, Oh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people think of like, I'm going to do the next level next year. I'm going to do the next level next year. And that, you know, you know, that kind of mentality that's, that can be kind of, um, a way of thinking about it, but, that's five years between her willing, winning developing Priest and George yeah. to Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does take that long just to, I mean, you know, from small tour to to big tour, you know, that's... And that's if you're as good of a rider as she is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, that's exactly right. I wanted to actually talk about that. You know, so we were talking about the anniversary and everything and how exciting it's been that I've been with you guys for so long, but... I have had this topic for like the last two weeks that I've been desperate to talk about. So I was really excited when I had my little appointment on the air because I am now like, you know, I've done the Grand Prix, but they talk about, you know, so many people say, Oh, once you've done the Grand Prix, you need to do it then for like years afterwards. And and once you get confirmed, you know, that's really years after you first started. And I, found it really interesting because I've been working the Grand Prix all season with my horse, working with my trainer, Shannon Duick. I go and watch the CDIs every weekend. And interestingly enough, you know, all that stuff obviously helps me. So I don't want to discredit that. But I have found that one of the most unusual things that's helped me has been watching the pre-St. George classes. And there's two examples that I want to give to explain what I mean by that, because I think it's been really helpful. I was watching the pre-St. George classes, and someone said to me, they said, you know, what are you noticing? Because that person was green to the pre-St. George. What are you noticing with the pre-St. George? How do you know someone's going to do better in the class versus someone who's struggling? Is it accuracy or whatever? And I said, you know, actually... I think that there's a very specific moment that I notice, and it's when the riders come out of the half pirouette and come back on that short diagonal to the short side and how they ride the flying change at sea. And what I mean by that is there's horses that are supple and through and can bend in a way that is more straight when they ask for the change at sea and the people who are struggling and who look greener, uh, they come around and they're like so flexed to the outside. They're practically looking at the judge. And I think it starts to say to yourself, it, it starts to say to the audience and everybody, do I have the suppleness that I can kind of move my horse left and right? Or are we stuck in this autopilot where some of the movements are a trick? And I think that you can get away with that in the pre-St. George the same way when people are at the lower levels, they're waiting to move up to second, third. There's movements that you can kind of ride at a trick. But if you see the riders who do it really, really well, they have foundational correctness that will move them up the levels. And so I think it's very interesting to watch, in my case, the pre-St. George for the fact that I'm working at the Grand Prix. But look at the level or two below you and watch the difference between people doing it well and not doing it well and how they ride the training scale. And I think that will tell you quite a bit about what it is that's missing or not and how you can apply that to your own riding. 
No, I think that that's so true, right? And and there's a big difference also when you're just writing in general. Like when you can run through, for example, the pre-St. George, it it yeah. almost has to be not even a thing. You, you need to almost be able to just ride every single part without thinking about it to yeah. even think about the intermediate one. Um, and you have to be able to do it at home and you have to be able to do it off the property and then you have to be able to do it at a horse show because you're you're so right in that everything in the basics that's in the pre St. George will come back and haunt you at some point later in your FEI horse's career. So you have to yeah. be really, really pay attention to like the shoulder in or even the eight meter circle, right? It sounds so easy to ride an eight meter circle, but I'll never forget. I scribed at a young rider championships. And so I watched a lot of pre St. George's. I watched all of them or not watch, but I was scribing. And it was unbelievable on how many of those riders didn't ride a proper circle. They were so focused on the shoulder in and they were so focused on the half pass that they didn't pay attention to the circle. And yeah. it's the same point. It, you know, the point value is the same in those movements, right? There's no coefficient or double score going on. So it was really eye-opening to watch, like, even for me, like, when you have a 10-meter circle or an 8-meter circle, nail it. Don't don't skim over it because the, that's the kind of points that you lose. But it also shows as a horse between the aids, are they coming up to the bridle? You know, there's so many things just even in that little movement that will plague you as you go to the Grand Prix or your shoulder in on the center line, for example, in the intermediate one, because then it becomes a real problem if you don't but pay it's attention. It's so funny that you said the eight meter circle, because show me a horse that's bad at the eight meter circle that then goes and pulls off a good pirouette. They don't because yeah. the eight meter circle is in some respects and not all right is a larger pirouette. Right. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. if you look at people riding a bad half pirouette at pre St. George, they ride it like they're flinging their horses around as opposed to the fact that there's bend and push like it's a small circle, so to speak with activity in the hind leg. And same thing, you know, people are so bad at the walk pirouette, the turn on the haunches, um, and they don't get it. It's judges and test riders trying to set you up for the fact that that is the same thing, right? Can you get push and drive through a horse that's bending, connected, on and on and on? So I love that you brought that up. Absolutely. I think, you know, for many riders and uh, especially for, you know, adult amateurs and, you know, teenagers and, and you know, non-trainers, people really want to get to that FEI level. And, and that's the pre-St. George is the first FEI test. But I think it's important to know that even for the best riders, and we were just talking about uh, Emily and, and, and doing the developing pre-St. George, you could probably spend four five years, you know, even on the best riders, on the best horse, really developing and perfecting that Priest and George test. It's, you know, it, it's not just a quick jump to Priest and George and then a jump to I1 and then a jump to I2, you know, that kind of progression. It's just, it, they are really difficult tests to, to ride and to perfect. And you really have to, you know, back to what you guys are saying is really, you know, look at the training, start from scratch all the time. You know, every, every two months just say, you know, what could be better? My walk pirouettes, you know, what could be better? You know, like I, I'm scoring sixes, but if I want to get a better score on my canter pirouettes, I need to go back and reevaluate how I'm riding all the movements, you know, and even the movements that aren't in the test, 
Traver and, and you know all, everything just needs to constantly be broken down and built back up again to make it more and more and more perfect. Well, I think it's such a funny thing that like you know now that I'm at a place where I'm working all the Grand Prix and getting it better and all the stuff. I sit and watch the small tour riders at uh, Global and I think to myself, oh, you know, with my horse, that would be so fun because I'm now confident in those movements. And so it's so interesting how the sport makes it that, like, right when you're feeling like you're ready and have mastered it, uh, you could spend years, but then the decision is then do you bump up to the next level or do you kind of stay in a place where you're feeling like everything is mastered? And I think that that's such an interesting thing is the timing of it all that it's such a progressive thing and you know when are you pushing and when are you you know pausing for a moment so to speak well i think that's the question you always have to ask right i mean like you said this season you rode the grand prix but now you're training because it's not just riding the grand prix and getting your scores that's amazing but then you have to step back and say i want to get you know 68 in the grand prix you know, then you yeah. you have to step it up and train. You know, they say to make an international horse, once you have a Grand Prix horse, you need two years. You know, so that's a long time to be doing it. That's why it takes so long in this sport. And, you know, even at the Grand Prix level, then it's like, okay, I want to go to nationals. Okay, now I want to go to CDI. Okay, now I really want to go for the top 100 in the world. You know, it's just a constant, yeah. constant thing and, and constant thing to you know, be able well, didn't to Casey Perry Glass say that like when she just had that unbelievable score at one of the shows recently down here, she said, even though I've done all those things, right. She went to the Olympics and all this stuff. And she said, like, I still am having these aha moments. I mean, I don't know what she's talking about at all because simmer down for a second, but like for <laughs> myself, right. And like the, the pedestrian version of that, like I totally get it. Right. Like, I got a 65 something at Grand Prix. And when I go and do my lessons, I'm like, well, you had no business. Like, I don't know how that happened because I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know if I've had my left rein my entire life. Like it's been decades. Like, have I ever ridden with my left rein ever in my life? Like <laughs> I don't deserve to be a trainer, let alone on a horse. And you know, you're having these weird experiences where you're yeah. thinking like, did I ever even know how to do a flying change? And you, you, realize how much there is to still discover and it's really cool yeah but also you're like i you know i'm like a poser this is like don't <laughs> tell anybody like you know what i mean and so it's i think it's really cool uh but also that's why i think it's so interesting to watch the small tour and then the the big tour is like it's it's a lifetime between the two yeah and it's and that's really neat and also a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, for example, Casey Perry is a great example because, you know, Philip and I saw her at the WEG and she had a great ride at the WEG. That horse looks so much better, even from when he looked amazing at the WEG. Like, I was yeah. blown away to see him the other day. I was like, holy smokes, her riding's better. She's looking better. So, so many good things. And you got to give her credit because that, that took a long time to do. So, uh, and she's, she's clearly working hard at it, at, even at this level. So it's just yeah, a good, good reminder. Be, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just a good reminder for us all. Well, Hillary, yeah. we can't thank you so much for coming on our show and, and being such a huge part of our show and we love it. Uh, so how can our listeners find you online if they have any questions? 
They can find me at com and also on Facebook and Instagram and uh, just come up to me randomly. But other than that, I am very happy to have talked to you guys and I feel like everything is a possibility and I wish everybody the greatest luck in the next 500 episodes of what they're going to be doing with their horses. And we do too. Thanks so much, Hillary. Well, Phil, we've got an awesome new product to talk about with Total Saddle Fit. Can you tell us what it is? Well, Justin, and his, and his always inventive and innovative ways, has decided that they're going to produce a, a new kind of stirrup leather. So I'm waiting for mine in the mail. Um, I, got mine. I think that maybe you have <laughs> just gotten yours and, and you want to talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so I did. I got an awesome box box from Justin. He's always so kind to us. And I, I got a couple new fleece liners for my uh, Total Saddle Fit Stretch Techers, uh, which I'm really excited about. He's very kind and it was, you know, it's kind of time for some new ones. But also in my box came a new set of stirrup leathers. So they have a wide body, which brings stability to the rider's leg. The wide design makes smoother transitions on the flap, which makes it feel like no leather underneath the leg. Portion of the leather that wraps around the stirrup bar are thin calfskin wrapped webbing to make minimal bulk under the leg. They are guaranteed to improve your ride and will pay for shipping both ways if they don't. So visit totalsaddlefit.com to get your new pair. And uh, I'm really excited because by next week we're putting them on the saddle today or tonight they got put on so i'll ride in them tomorrow and i'm really looking forward to to seeing what happens with the new stirrup leathers yeah i think everybody who's listening should at least go out and check them out on the on the web page because they're sort of a interesting design i think everybody has dealt with the issue of uh, stirrup leather being kind of bulky or pinching your leg or just not lying flat enough I know I've I've had students who, you know, have gotten blisters from different stirrup leathers, you know. I so, have when they got caught. Ow, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm excited myself. For sure. I think these will just help uh, lie very flat against your leg and, and against your saddle. So you're not going to deal with any of those issues. And I think that'll translate towards uh, an easier ride and a better leg position, which is something that we're always working towards whether you're a weekend warrior or a professional rider, I think anything that, that can, can make that job easier, I think is well worth it. And uh, Total Saddle Fit is offering to pay, uh, you know, give your money back and pay for the shipping both ways. So I think there's nothing to lose if you want to try out these stirrups. Yeah, I love it. So as always, totalsaddlefit.com. And uh, Justin is is the man and he's fantastic and always doing great things. Uh, and is also really good at answering questions if you have them. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. So, Phil, we're excited for our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week. We had a listener. Uh, as always, we love our listener questions, and we try to get to them as quickly as we can. But this was a great question about the pyramid of training. So we have gone through the pyramid before, uh, but again, it's it's been a number of years, and it has been updated, adapted, however you want to say it. So there have been a few changes. So we're going to go through rhythm, suppleness, and contact today, and then we will finish the rest of the scale next week. 
And um, so again, rhythm hasn't really changed. So it's rhythm with regularity and tempo. And I think it's really important that rhythm, and this is just actually reading from it, rhythm is the term used to characterize sequence of footfall and timing of pure walk, pure trot, pure canter. The rhythm should be expressed with energy and the uh, sustainable and consistent tempo with the horse remaining in balance and self-carriage appropriate to the level. So Phil, could you want to talk a little bit more about rhythm and tempo? There is a difference for sure. Yeah. So rhythm, I mean, I think you just went through it, but I'll I'll say it again, is the timing of the footfall. So Mm -hmm. we're talking about, uh, you know, a four beat rhythm in, in walk, two beat rhythm in trot and three beat rhythm in canter. Um, and then tempo is like how fast or slow those footfalls occur. So normally a horse, you know, uh, a three-year-old or, or a young horse or a new horse that you've gotten usually will come with a good rhythm. But tempo is something that I'm always working with my students on and working with my horses on because um, tempo is something that, that naturally a horse may be a little bit lazy and have kind of a, a slower than ideal tempo in their in their footfalls or a little bit of an energetic horse will be a little bit too fast in their tempo so we're always trying to um, uh, regulate what kind of tempo that we want so you know people get a little bit confused that oh you know my rhythm is good I've got you know four beat two beat three beat um, but I, I try and describe like yes but your 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 rhythm is good but your tempo is a little bit too lazy or a little bit too rushed. And so um, I think you know, like the training pyramid suggests, the first thing we should look at is just being able to regulate making it faster or slower with with uh, what you're doing every day in your riding. Yeah, I love it. Fantastic. So our next uh, stage or, or pyramid of the section is suppleness with elasticity and freedom from anxiety. This is a change because it was actually relaxation with elasticity and suppleness. And I actually always hated that, that 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 was the old one because suppleness is actually how I learned it. That's pretty much the translation from German. So they changed the words sort of back around. Um, but I like elasticity and freedom from anxiety, which is essentially relaxation. So they did change that around um a little bit so trying to encompass all of those terms into you know one one of the of the steps and trying to bring it all kind of together so it's an it's it's interesting it's an interesting step because i think as riders we're always trying to work on this idea of suppleness but you have to in your day-to-day exercising and working of your horse is to try and achieve that without creating anxiety right and so the picture in my head that I see, you know, sometimes, you know, when, while, while I'm working or when I'm teaching is that people trying to create a supple horse, but with a lot of pressure, you know, either pulling or kicking. And, and so the horse, you know, becomes easier to bend or easier to manipulate, but not in a relaxed, calm free from anxiety way so i I like Mm -hmm. the 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 new description and and what you're trying to trying to do with your horse so it gives you an idea about how to go about doing it and i think we we do it with exercises we do it with 
tons of circles, and we know that that's a dressage thing. So serpent circles. Yeah, I mean, kind bending of bending line. line. <laughs> yeah, but but it takes time, right? You right. can't just increase suppleness through pulling and kicking. Right. Well, a lot simply. of resistance is going to come from lack of suppleness, right? Or tension in the back and lack of lack of being able to flex the joints freely and harmoniously, right? So a lot of that comes from lack of suppleness or last, lack of elasticity, which creates anxiety for anybody, right? If you're stiff and someone's saying, no, you have to bend that way and you're not able to do that, that creates anxiety. So I think that that's um, definitely, definitely a good, I, I like that better. I like the terms better for the, the suppleness. So I think that's another one. So another, um, the next step, contact, connection, and acceptance of the bit through the acceptance of the aids. That was, again, they updated that. It was connection um, and didn't really mention contact. So I like this. Again, this is going back. It's, it's actually going back to really the old school German pyramid of training where it came from. This was, again, how I learned it when I was a kiddo. So kind of the same thing, right, is that energy is generated from the hindquarters by the driving aids, must flow through the horse's body and be received by the rider's hands. And that's what sort of the acceptance of the bit through the acceptance of the aids talking about. Yeah, again, you have to return to the idea of being trained in a relaxed manner Mm -hmm. so that the horse is willing to work with you. I think these first three steps, they kind of go together because they talk about sort of a f- familiarization with the rider and, and you know, kind of day-to-day work. This is not really, like, none of these steps is all about, like, producing amazing flying changes or, or, or any, of, any of the tricks. Or, you know, this is just about, you know, you working your horse on a daily basis that Im- improves their um, gymnastic training and makes them happy to be ridden. More, you know, more or less, that they're not afraid of any of the tack or or of the bed or, you know, and this this is this these these three stages take forever, years of training so that your horse is ready for the next steps, the next stages, and and you know even if you never make it past these three steps, mm-hmm. you have a happy horse for life, and you have a partner for life, and you have some you know. Um, uh, a partner that that you can go and ride and enjoys being ridden and will go when you want, stop when you want, turn when you want, that that kind of thing. Before yeah, before we talk about really um, pushing the horse up through the levels, I think you have to really take your time to make sure that these things are are really solid and really um, into your horse's being. But you know, and exactly, and you know, this has to be established every day on every horse. Right. So you may have a Grand Prix horse, but if your connection, if there's a problem with the contact, there's a problem with the supplement, like you're not getting anything. <laughs> you yeah. know, so this has to be established. You constantly every day. T- turn back mm-hmm. to it. And, and, and I think also it, it has to do with tack as well. Ta- yes. You know, your ill fitting saddle or a bit that your horse doesn't like, you know, it doesn't matter how long you train 10 years or whatever, but you know, if those things aren't right, you're not gonna. You're not gonna get these three stages. I mean, and you have to kind of figure stuff out for your horse, and and even just their routine, whether they like being ridden six days a week, or, or you know, you can give them a few days off here and there, and and feed, and and all these things that we talk about topics on our show, come back to try and create these these three steps of the the training scale or the pyramid or, you know, uh, the beginning of dressage. 
Because yeah. if you can do these three things, you can train a horse to Grand Prix. I'm, I'm sure of it. Yeah, for sure. Right? But that's why that's why you know the basics and and the simple topics and and returning to all kinds of things that we talk about, you know, properly fitting saddles and prop, proper bits and and bridles and you know chiropractic. And, you know, this, we're all trying to just work work towards creating these three things, and then we can start really training and 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 being confident the horse is ready to be ridden at shows and 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 competed. Absolutely. Absolutely. It all, it all plays in. So these are, I think, you know, without question, the most important part of the pyramid of training, that's all important, but this is really, if this isn't working, you're not going to have a successful FEI horse or really successful at any level. So, well, we hope that is a good start to the pyramid of training discussion. And as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs, and we will finish the pyramid of training next week. And uh, again, thanks for that. And if you have any questions, let us know. Well, Phil, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. They make our day. So, Phil, we actually have a quick one we're going to review now. Yeah. So, we got uh, an email. It was pertaining to the coefficients in the new test. We went over um, the new test with, with the Bills, the nice judges who talked all about the movements, but we didn't go over the, the uh, coefficient differences in all the tests. Um, so, I think that people can go through and look at the tests they've changed where not in all of them, but they've changed a little bit. They've added more um, two times coefficients to the different movements. So I think I think people can just you know, kind of go through the test that they're they're showing this year and take a look at that. If there's any specific questions that people have, we can we can talk about that. But normally they just add those in places where they think it's really important that the riders and the horses do you know certain things really well to achieve the the purposes of of each of the tests. Absolutely. And take a look at them because they do, they will impact your score if you don't do them well, for sure. So take a look at those as you're studying your tests and everybody up north, Phil included, you guys stay safe. Uh, I know it's, it's quite cold up there. So we hope you're enjoying and we brightened up your day a little bit. And as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to contact me is either through Facebook or my email at philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, we really want to thank you for being a part of our 500th episode show. Really been quite a journey, and Phil and I look forward to continuing to to bring you shows, but it's really been a quite a journey for us and has taken us lots of cool places. So thanks for listening. You make it all possible. Uh, and as always, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will back, be back next week for 501. <laughs>